This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah. My brothers and sisters, uh, we are continuing our series with regards to the major sins. And today, inshallah, we will be discussing the worst major sin or the most major among them. And that is, of course, shirk. Now, the topic of shirk is of such importance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about it in the Quran very often. And the Prophet sallallahu spoke about it so many times. And you can't really speak about shirk without talking about tawheed. Right. Tawheed is the greatest commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and shirk is the greatest prohibition. Tawheed is that which we all must have and shirk is that which we all must avoid. Tawheed is the essence of our faith, it is the foundation that Islam is built upon and shirk is the one thing that can make it all collapse and destroy. This is why it's extremely important as Muslims that we really truly appreciate the danger of shirk to understand why is it really so bad, how should we avoid it, and this is why, inshallah ta'ala, in this segment, on this session, we will be talking about what shirk is. We will talk about some of the consequences of shirk, how to avoid it. And also, we will be discussing what is known as minor shirk. Now, minor shirk might be called minor in the context of major shirk, but it's most definitely not a minor thing. So let the wording not fool you. Now, to begin with, what really is shirk? Now, shirk linguistically... It comes from the word ashraka, yushriku. And uh, the scholars of, of the Lugha al-Arabiya or the Arabic language, they say that means to equate something to something else, to put it uh, on par with something else. That's one way. So it is a taswiya. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, uh, when he was just talking about what the people on the day of judgment that committed shirk would say, they would say, إِذْ نُسَوِّيكُمْ when we would equate you with the Lord of the worlds, uh, meaning they would equate their idols or whatever they used to worship with the Lord of the worlds, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is to equate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with other than him. Now also the word ashraka, it, it is to, sh- to give share or to associate. This is why when we look at companies, we call them sharikat because they are... Uh, people come together and they, uh, they have partners, that uh, associates and people, sh- shareholders. So it's a lot of people or one or two people sharing something. This is known as a sharika. So it comes from that as well. So in a nutshell, it really is when you, uh, so, some of Allah's rights are being shared with others or you're leveling others up to the level of Allah Almighty. This is all shirk. So it, a good definition, there are many definitions and scholars do give different ways of uh, talking about what shirk is. Uh, the best one is to give one or more of the rights of Allah to other than Allah. To give one or more of the rights of Allah to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now what you need to understand is what are these rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, it is among Allah's rights to be worshipped. So if you worship other than Allah, then you have fallen into shirk. It is among the rights of Allah to call upon Him and Him alone. If you call upon other than Allah, you have fallen into shirk. It is Allah's supreme right to legislate good and bad, right and wrong, haram and halal. If you vest that authority to other than Allah, you have fallen into shirk. It is only Allah that has the power to affect change and to give. If you accept that others can do that for you, you have fallen into shirk. It's only Allah that can truly harm or benefit. If you think other than Allah can harm and benefit, you have fallen into shirk. So it's extremely important to understand who Allah is, what Allah does, and then you understand what you shouldn't give to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the greatest injustice. So this is what shirk is. And it's very important as Muslims that we understand that shirk is not the stereotypical idol worship that we just think it is. It is so much deeper than that. It has, it has so many more layers, right? You can do shirk with your heart, right? You can be praying in the masjid, you can be, and you can commit shirk from your heart with what you believe or what you think or what you feel, right? Because there, are there certain worships that we do that occur in our heart? Yes. 
Therefore, if any of those types of worship are directed to other than Allah, you have fallen into shirk. We can make shirk with regards to us, the statements that we do. This is why the Prophet ﷺ taught the companion certain statements to never say. Certain things to never say, and we will discuss them later, inshaAllah ta'ala. There are certain acts of worship that if you direct towards other than Allah, you have fallen into shirk. Now sometimes people don't even know they're doing an act of worship that, and they're directing to other than Allah. So this is why it is extremely important that when we are talking about shirk and tawheed, that you do not think of just idol worship. There's many forms, many types. And why is it important that you and I know what these types and forms are? Because of the severe, the severe consequences shirk has on one's life and one's afterlife. So what are these severe consequences of shirk, my brothers and sisters? So we mentioned, uh, to quickly go back, there are many forms of shirk. Either worship is a form of shirk. Grave veneration and worship is a form of shirk that happens often. Calling upon other than Allah and supplicating to other than Allah. And it really doesn't matter who you're supplicating to. It doesn't matter if you're supplicating to a prophet. You're not allowed to do that. You can't supplicate to angels. You can't supplicate to anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is a form of shirk. Relying on charms and good luck charms and things. And we will discuss them in a bit more detail later on. Because when you vest power into other than Allah, expect that these things can influence your life, then you have given the right of Allah to these things, this creation. This is absolutely not allowed. Uh, of course, when you fear and hope in other than Allah, when you give the authority to legislate halal and haram to other than Allah, even if they are religious scholars, religious scholars don't have the authority to, to legislate halal and haram. All they do is convey that which Allah and His Messenger made haram. So this is extremely important to understand as well. And any of the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if they are given to other than Allah, you have fallen to shirk. Now, when we talk about shirk, what is shirk in relation to kufr? These two terms, you hear them a lot. This is kufr and this is shirk, a kafir and a mushrik. Are they the same? Are there any differences? Now, kufr means disbelief, if you will, right? Or, and the thing is, the circle of kufr is wider than that of shirk. Shirk is one way to fall into disbelief. Among the consequences of shirk that we will mention later on is that shirk takes you out of the fold of al-Islam. If you commit shirk, it takes you out of the fold of Islam. You have to take your shahada again and repent to Allah sincerely for you to, for your tawheed to be accepted again. So it takes you out of the fold of Islam. But that's not the only thing. So whenever we talk about kufr, general kufr, there are many other ways one can leave Islam. So if you can imagine a circle of the things that are considered disbelief, major shirk is among them, but that's not the only thing. For example, imagine you insult Allah, or insult the messenger. This is a form of disbelief. If you do that, you're out of the fold of Islam, but you haven't necessarily committed what? Shirk. So shirk is one of the ways to fall into uh, out of the fold of Islam, but not the only way. So kufr is a lot general. Right? So atheism means denying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala altogether. Right? Whereas the person of shirk gives some of Allah's rights to other than Allah or worships other gods besides Allah, the atheist or the, the, the one that is the mulhid, he completely denies Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is another form of shirk. Of course, making a mockery out of the deen, right? This is another form of disbelief that people fall into. It's not necessarily shirk but it is still a form of kufr. And Allah speaks about this in the Quran. Those that mock Allah and the Prophet. And I highly, highly, highly encourage all of you to stay away from any type of satire, comedy, and mockery with regards to the deen of Allah. Don't share them, don't tweet them, don't talk about them, don't laugh at someone that is making fun of the deen because this takes you out of the fall of Islam. You can't make fun of Allah and His Messenger and His books like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Tawbah, قُلْ أَبِي اللَّهِ وَآيَاتِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَهْزِئُونَ Is it Allah and His Messenger and His Ayat that you are taking as a mockery? لَا تَعْتَذِرُوا Do not give any excuses. قَدْ كَفَرْتُمْ You have left Islam. Right? So these are different ways of falling into shirk. Another common way to fall into, into kufr or disbelief is, for example, 
when you practice witchcraft and sorcery, this is also one of the ways to leave Al-Islam. So what am I saying here in a nutshell? Kufr, or general disbelief, is a larger circle. Shirk is one of the ways. And what we are discussing is shirk because of its severity and being the most major of sins. Now, if you read, read the Quran, we find a very common theme. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he speaks about shirk, especially with regards to our prophets, you will find that they were extremely worried about it. They were extremely worried about it. Now, if you look at uh, Prophet Ibrahim السلام, as an example, Prophet Ibrahim's whole story is about establishing La ilaha illallah and Tawheed. As a young boy, he is going against his whole family and their whole culture by saying, what you guys are doing is wrong, idol worship is wrong. He ended up doing what? He destroyed the idols, right? He established La ilaha illallah. As a young boy, he went against the norms of his society. He had Tawheed in his heart and Allah uses Ibrahim السلام, as an example of one who establishes Tawheed to the point where Allah calls him a leader. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Prophet Muhammad specifically to follow Ibrahim. And Allah has praised him. Allah mentioned that he was chosen. Allah says, we have chosen Ibrahim in this world. And he is among the righteous in the hereafter. When Allah told him to submit, he said, I submit to the Lord of the worlds. So Ibrahim is an example for all of us to follow. He was one who established La ilaha illallah. He knew about the right of Allah and the fact that he should be singled out and worshipped from such a young age. Would you ever be worried about Ibrahim falling into shirk? Absolutely not. Yet, you have Ibrahim in the Quran making dua. And look at the dua that he made. He says, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ الْأَصْنَامِ O Allah, distance me, protect me and my children from the worship of idols. Why is Ibrahim asking Allah to protect him from the worship of idols? Not just him, but his children as well. Why is he so worried about it? Isn't he Ibrahim, the one who establishes Tawheed, who was destroying idols from a young age? What is, what makes Tawheed, Shirk, such a big deal that he is so worried about it? He's asking Allah, oh Allah, protect me and my sons. Who is he referring to? He's referring to Ismail and Ishaq. Protect me and my sons from the worship of idols because he knows how severe the consequences of it are. How great injustice it is to direct your worship to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this is why, ikhwani fillah, uh, there was this great scholar uh, from the tabi'een, Ibrahim At-Taymi. He said something amazing. He said, when he re reflected upon this verse, he said, فَمَنْ يَأْمَنُوا مِنَ الْبَلَاءِ بَعْدَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ Who is safe from shirk after Ibrahim? If Ibrahim is worried, who is safe? And then he said, uh, the scholars, they say the only person who's relaxed with regards to shirk is one that is ignorant about what shirk really is. Now, this theme you'll find in the Quran, that that which the, 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 the prophets were busy with was the establishing of Allah's only right, uh, Allah's right to only be worshipped and the danger of falling into any type of shirk. And you will find, for example, uh, in the Quran, prophets that were on their deathbed. And this was why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he spoke about Ya'qub, and he brought all of his children, and he asked them a question. So Ibrahim is on his final moments. And then Ibrahim is uh, telling his children, not Ibrahim, Ya'qub, is asking his children, what is he asking him? Who are you going to worship after me? We're going to worship your Lord and the Lord of your forefathers. We're going to worship Allah. That which worried Ya'qub was what will his children be worshipping after him? These are the people that shouldn't be worried about La ilaha illallah because it's been firmly established in their hearts, yet that's the only thing they are worried about. Look at Prophet Yusuf in prison. He is just thrown into prison a whole conspiracy against him. He hasn't made any mistake, yet he has is rotting in prison, Yusuf alayhi salam, and then he meets two other prisoners. And what does he do? He talks to them about Tawheed. 
And he's teaching them, أَرْبَابٌ مُتَفَرِّقُونَ خَيْرٌ أَمِ اللَّهُ الْوَاحِدُ الْقَهَارِ Is it better to worship different lords? Or is it better to worship Allah Almighty? And then he teaches them about who to worship, who not to worship. This is what they were busy with. And now we, have, we, we, we in 2020, are saying, أَخِي, why are we talking about Tawheed or Shirk? Ask, answer me this question. Were there not other problems in their societies? Were there not other issues in the society of Ibrahim or the society of Yusuf? Of course they were. So why were they focusing on the right of Allah? Because of its importance. It dwarfs everything else. I want you to think about this. What was the first thing that when you, when you read the seal of the Prophet, this, when you read the seal of our Prophet, what was the first thing that he called towards? The first thing you hear is that the Prophet would say to his people, قُولُوا لَا إِلَهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ تُفْلِحُوا Oh my people, say none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, you will be successful. So that was the beginning of his da'wah. Now I want you to imagine the 23 years Muhammad wasallam was a Prophet. He started with what? Say لَا إِلَهَ إِلَى اللَّهِ and you will be successful. Have Tawheed and you will be successful. Now 23 years of so many different things happening, right? There were so many different things that were legislated. The prayer, the zakat, the hajj, the, the fights happened. The Prophet had to migrate. A thousand and one things happened. And then at the end, on his deathbed, what were his final words? Do not treat me the way the Christian treated Isa. Do not take me as one that should be worshipped or praised. Uh, to the to an exaggerated, I am but a servant. What is he worried about in his final moments that we fall into shirk? So the Prophet started by teaching Tawheed, that was his beginning of his da'wah, and his final words are a warning of falling into a type of shirk. This shows you that this is what Islam in the end of the day is about. So inshaAllah, why should we be afraid of shirk? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful, says in the Quran. This is in Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 48, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily Allah forgives not that partners are associated with him. Allah does not forgive shirk, but he forgives everything else that is less than that. Allah does not forgive shirk, but he forgives everything that is less than that. Surely that which Allah doesn't forgive, that which will uh, take you into an eternity of hellfire should be the focus uh, of our conversations. Ikhwani fillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this uh, twice in, in Surah Al-Nisa that Allah does not forgive shirk but He forgives that which is less than shirk. In Surah Al-Ma'idah, I believe Ayah 72, Allah mentions that وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ And the one who falls into shirk, Allah has made paradise haram for him. Now I want you to really think about that. Do you understand why there is such a focus on learning what shirk is so that you can stay away from it? It was last week we mentioned that uh, Hudayf ibn Yaman would ask the Prophet about that, that, that which is evil so that he can stay away from it. Right? So you need to learn about the dangers so that you can stay away from it. Are you truly safe from shirk? When Ibrahim is worried about it? When Yaqub is asking his sons, who will he worship besides me? When the, the da'wah of the messenger was based on this? And there are so many examples, my brothers and sisters. So let's talk some about the consequences of shirk. We mentioned that Allah does not forgive if you die upon it. Now let me explain what that means. What that means is, first of all, as a general principle, Allah forgives all sins. But the one sin that if you die upon it while not seeking repentance, then this is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala condemns you to an eternity of hellfire. May Allah protect you and I and all of us from it. Now, uh, provided that the person knew and voluntarily decided that he would go against the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah does not forgive shirk. That should enough be a, a, a good example would be ikhwani fillah. We are, we are in the, in the midst of a pandemic, even though, inshallah, hopefully it's starting to slow down and things are getting better. Now, I want you to, to think back to when we were uh, going through the corona pandemic. How were we? Everyone was worried. We were wearing face masks. We were washing our hands. We were sending warnings to each other. We were so aware because of the danger. People were studying the disease, trying to see if there's a vaccine. 
and the, the news was constantly talking about it. Researchers were studying it and, and, and finding cures and, and people were being treated and everyone was being told, stay at home, be careful. What is the consequences of getting coronavirus? You might die or you might be severely ill, correct? Right, some, in some cases, the illness wasn't even that severe. Now, what are, the, what, are, what are the consequences of shirk? And then compare that to how much we are talking about it. Do you think if there was a similar effort of really teaching and talking about it and realizing it's dangerous, it's types, then perhaps a lot of the things that are happening in the Muslim world right now, when people are actively engaged in things, uh, in shirk, that subhanAllah, you would think, have the teachings of Prophet Muhammad not even reached them. When Prophet Muhammad, when Allah in the Quran prohibits us to call upon other than him, but you will find in Muslim societies and communities the calling upon saints and the veneration of saints. People saying, Ya Hussein. People saying, Ya Muhammad, calling upon the Prophet. When the Prophet said, when Allah says in the Quran, Those who call upon other than Allah, then they will be held accountable for it. You're not allowed to do that. It doesn't matter whether there's a Prophet or whether it's a jinn or a shah, it doesn't matter, you should only call upon Allah. The point I'm trying to say is, we need to truly appreciate the severity of the situation when we are discussing shirk. So number one, Allah does not forgive shirk. If you die upon it without repenting, and having had the opportunity to understand uh, the message and it reached you. Number two, it nullifies your good deeds. It destroys them. Now I want you to really think about this. Shirk destroys all of your good that you've done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran to Prophet Muhammad, and by extension all of us, وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلُكَ It has been revealed to you, O Muhammad, and the ones who came before you, that if you commit shirk, it will destroy your good deeds and they will be in vain. So, Imagine someone, 60 years, was doing good deeds, praying, giving zakat, charity, all of that. And then by the age of 60, he fell into shirk. All of the good he's done would be gone. Every single good, it destroys it. This is a consequence. Allah clearly tells us in the Quran, O Muhammad, your actions will be in vain. In Surah Al-An'am, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, there's a, a, a page in Surah Al-An'am that discusses the consequences of shirk and the benefits of tawheed and the da'wah of the prophets in great detail. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, right before that Allah speaks of a prophet Ibrahim and how he called towards tawheed and how he uh, talked about the dangers of shirk. And then Allah says, some of the benefits of tawheed is, Allah says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who believe. Now I want you to follow with me here inshaAllah ta'ala. Those who believe, meaning those who have tawheed, those who sing out Allah in worship. And they do not mix their iman, their tawheed with injustice. This injustice that is referring here to is shirk. So those who have tawheed and do not mix their tawheed with any type of shirk, Allah promises them two things. These people will get safety and security. وَهُمْ مُهْتَدُونَ And they will be guided. Now the scholars, they say, what is this safety and security and what is this guidance? Allah promises that if you have tawheed and you do not have any shirk in that tawheed, meaning it is pure, it is sincere, you have devoted your life and your worship to Allah alone, Allah grants you safety and security in this world, so Allah will keep you safe from falling off. Allah will keep you safe from falling into sin or falling into shirk, and Allah will protect you. And Allah will keep you safe from the hellfire in the hereafter. And they will be guided in this world to that which is upright, to the correct path, to the Sirat al Mustaqim. And in the hereafter, they will be guided to paradise and Jannah. This is some of the benefits of La ilaha illallah, which is why you should protect it so that you can gain the safety, the security, and this guidance. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the prophets. And in the following ayats, Allah mentions 18 prophets. This is the largest amount of prophets that are mentioned together in any place in the Quran. So Allah mentions Ibrahim and Yahya and Zakaria and Ismail and Yaqub and many of the messengers and Musa and Isa. Allah mentions 18 of them. And then Allah mentions and says, وَلَوْ أَشْرَكُوا 
if all of these great prophets and messengers would have committed shirk, which is impossible. They would never commit shirk. But even if they did, if they did, Allah said the, all the great deeds that they would have done would have been destroyed. They would have been gone in vain, nullified. So this is some of the consequences of falling into shirk. All the good you've done, it will be destroyed by shirk. This is why shirk is the ultimate evil and the greatest injustice. And tawheed is the greatest thing that one can do and live by. Another consequence of shirk is that Jannah is forbidden for those who are immersed in this. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, And also finally, it is the greatest injustice. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Indeed, associating partners with Allah is the greatest injustice, the greatest of wrong, wrongdoing. And if, if I could uh, explain that uh, a bit more, Everything we have, we owe it to Allah. Everything we do is because of Allah. Every good in your life is that Allah has given you. So when you dedicate your life to the worship of other than Allah, this is such a injustice. When you thank other than Allah for that which Allah has given you. When you venerate and worship other than Allah. When you call upon other than Allah and then it's Allah that gives. And, and when you fear other than Allah and it's Allah that should be feared. This is the greatest injustice. And it is also the greatest uh, insult towards our creator when that one thing that Allah has created us for. Allah, why did Allah create us? So that we may know him and worship him. And then... When Allah did not just leave us like that, He sent us messengers to teach us that fact. But still, then we turn to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no greater injustice and, and no greater wrongdoing than that. Now, ikhwani fillah, um, what is very important to also remember is that shirk comes in many types and forms. And among the types of forms it comes in, we mentioned, is the, uh, the regular shirk of worshipping other than Allah. Another one, ikhwan fillah, is calling upon other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is absolutely allowed. Dua is a form of worship. You cannot call upon the Prophet to help you. You cannot call upon a saint to help you. You cannot call upon a companion to help you. Today we have people that say, Ya Hussein, right? We have people that say, Ya Muhammad. No, only Allah. Let your heart be connected to Allah alone. This is the message of Islam. Another form of shirk that we fall into regularly these days is the relying of good luck charms or believing that certain things have power vested in them and they can help you, right? Uh, knock on wood if, as if that would do anything, right? A rabbit's foot as if that can do anything. A good luck charm as if that can affect or do anything. One that is very uh, relevant to the Muslim communities is the wearing of the ta'weez that has writings on it that have no basis within Islam. And then people think that this gives them protection. No, it is Allah that protects. It is Allah that protects. Allah is the only one that protects and is only Allah that can harm. And our hearts should only be connected to Allah. Once you attribute power of harm and, and benefit to other than Allah, right? And we don't, I'm not talking, when I say benefit, I don't mean someone handing me a book and giving it to me. Of course, people can do that. I'm talking about when you truly believe that certain types, like for example, if I don't do this, I'll get sick. This person can do this to me. This person can heal me. This person, no, it is only Allah that heals. So if you believe that these types of power of affecting real change and harming and benefiting and accepting dua and and this stuff, if you believe that other than Allah can do it, you have fallen into major shirk. Now, with these things, the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith that, uh, 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 that, uh, that the tama'im, or these amulets, or, or, or um, uh, these charms that people wear, or the tiwala, they are shirk. The Prophet ﷺ said they are a form of shirk. Now, if you believe that they themselves, these things that we're wearing, or hanging, or, or using, if you believe they themselves have powers that they can help you or harm you, then you have committed major shirk. You have, this is a way to leave the fall of Islam. But if you have the misguided belief that this ta'weez somehow is helping you because Allah allows it to, then you have fallen to minor shirk. 
you have fallen into minor shirk because you still believe that it is Allah that is doing it, but you just are trusting a means that is incorrect. And this uh, is from the category of minor shirk, and we will discuss minor shirk later on uh, in somewhat detail. Um, another form of shirk that uh, we must stay away from is the shirk known as shirk ta'ah or the shirk of obedience. Now, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about in the Quran uh, about the previous Jews and Christians. Uh, Allah says, They have taken their rabbis and their priests as lords besides Allah. So, uh, how did they do this? Because taking lords besides Allah is shirk, yes? Adi ibn Hatim, which is a companion of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he asked the Prophet, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I'm a previous, uh, from the people of the book. And we never used to take our rabbis as lords besides Allah. We never did that. We never, and then he actually says, we never bowed to them or supplicated to them. So, Adi ibn Hatim, immediately what came to his mind was the regular shirk that we all know of. But then the Prophet asked him a question, he said, would you follow them in legislating that, that haram and halal in opposition to what was in the scripture? And he said, yes. And he said, this is the shirk that you did. Because it is Allah that decides that which is wrong and right, halal and haram. And if you vest that authority to one other than Allah, then this is a form of shirk. And this is why our companions would against this. And they would try and teach the people that to understand when we say something is haram, when we say something is halal, it is based on what Allah and His Messenger said. We can't make it up as we go along. This is why uh, Ibn Abbas, may Allah be pleased with him, he was teaching the people something and he was telling them that there is a certain way of doing hajj and he was teaching them the, what he heard from the Prophet. And then the people said, but we heard Abu Bakr and Umar say, but we heard Abu Bakr and Umar say, Abu Bakr and Umar are great companions. They are the greatest companions, right? They are Abu Bakr and Umar. But Abdullah ibn Abbas then said something profound. He said, Stones from the heavens should descend upon you or will almost descend upon you as a punishment, as a curse. I am telling you the Prophet said and you're saying Abu Bakr and Umar said? Trying to teach them that the authority to legislate halal and haram is not even within Abu Bakr and Umar's hand. Everyone besides the Prophet, all they can do is tell you what they think uh, the Prophet, what, what, or tell you about that which the Prophet and Allah, or Allah and the Prophet have said. No one has the authority to dictate haram and halal without providing the evidence from the Quran and Sunnah. And if we give someone the full authority to tell us halal and haram without referencing Allah and His Messenger, this is known as shirk ta'ah. And this is what the Prophet meant, and this is how he explained it to Adi ibn Hatim. There are many types of shirk and we need to study it. And if I can recommend you, this is a very short talk. Please refer back to the book of Tawheed that is written by uh, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab. It is a book, it is 60 something chapters and it talks about the details of, of Tawheed and shirk in such a detailed manner, quoting the Prophet and the Quran and explaining to you the different ways of how to avoid it, what to do, what not to do. It is a book that I highly recommend to everyone to buy it, to learn it, to study it, right? Uh, and also uh, the four principles of shirk is another good one to read through. It teaches you that shirk is not just idol worship. There are many types of shirk that people have fallen into before and are falling into now. The final point that I want to cover is minor shirk. Minor shirk. And minor shirk is not minor. In fact, the majority of our scholars, they believe that minor shirk is worse than major sins. So this would be the, uh, if you will, the categorizations of sin within Al-Islam. The worst thing one can do is fall into major shirk. Major shirk is not forgiven if you die upon it. Then it is minor shirk. Then it is the rest of the major sins. Then it is the minor sins. Let me repeat that. You have shirk akbar. Major shirk, right? Then you have minor shirk, which we will talk about in a moment. Then you have the rest of major sins, zina and, and, and killing unjustly and consuming riba and all the other stuff. And then you have minor sins. So when we say minor shirk, don't let the word minor uh, confuse you 
or don't let the word minor deceive you. It is not minor by any stretch of the imagination. So, what is minor shirk? Minor shirk, the scholars have defined in different ways. Some said it is everything that uh, can lead to shirk, that can lead to major shirk. Others said, no, it's everything that the Prophet ﷺ specifically called minor shirk. Now, the best way to describe it is, it is that which the Prophet ﷺ called shirk, but is not of that which takes you out of the fold of Al-Islam. And we're going to give examples of that, inshallah ta'ala, in a moment. Uh, so, the most common one, where the Prophet ﷺ referred to as shirk al-asghar, is a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, that which I am fair for you the most, that which I fear for you the most, is uh, the minor shirk. And the Prophet ﷺ said this is riyah, showing off. Showing off your deeds. Showing off your deeds. And then the Prophet ﷺ uh, talked about its dangers. And the Prophet said, I am more worried about that. And some of the riwayat of the hadith mentioned that it was uh, that the companions were discussing Masih al-Dajjal. They were discussing Masih al-Dajjal. And then the Prophet ﷺ came upon them and said, even though Masih al-Dajjal is among the greatest fitans uh, that will befall the Ummah, the Prophet ﷺ said, that which I am afraid more than, than the Dajjal is a force falling into minor shirk and the Prophet ﷺ said this is showing off your, 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 uh, your actions and uh, having the intention of pleasing others or showing off. Now this is mentioned in the Quran quite uh, a few times. In Surah Al-Ma'un Allah says, hum Those who show off their good deeds, right? And this is also a sign of the hypocrites. Now I want to ask you a question and I want you to sincerely ask yourself that question. Can you say 100% that when you do a good deed, you do it only for Allah? Because if that is the case, first of all, we mentioned earlier that you should never be assured of yourself in that manner. We should always be worried that we are falling into this type of shirk. Shirk is so bad that we should be taking every possible precaution and we should be extremely worried and always checking our iman. Always checking our iman. Because people will affect you. And you need to be aware, and you, no one can say that. And you know one of the best ways to, to, to kind of check yourself? Are you exactly the same when you're alone and when you're with others? With regards to your worship, your mannerisms, and what you do, your prayer? Is your salah the same length when you're praying in the masjid and everyone can see you, and when you're in your inner chambers? And if your salah is better when you are amongst people, then you have to ask yourself, why? And if you give more charity when people see you, than when they don't. Or if you feel a bit better about it when you give it while others are around, but you cannot do a direct debit that no one knows about. Ask yourself these questions. Because in the end of the day, the only action you're 100% sure is done for Allah is the one that no one knows about. If you prayed Qiyam layl by yourself in your room and no one knows about it except you and Allah, then you can take that off inshallah because who else did you do it for? Who else did you do it for? But this is why also it used to be highly, it's highly recommended that you have more good deeds that are hidden than that are apparent. And you should always check yourself. Now the concept of riyah is very important. We must understand that uh, it, why is it considered minor shirk? First of all, why is it not major shirk? The reason it's not major shirk is the person that is showing off isn't worshiping other than Allah. So you came in the masjid and now this, uh, it's quite dangerous. For example, if you solely came to the masjid so that others can praise you. And that the reason you walked from your house to come to the masjid was to be praised and that is the only thing there, then subhanAllah, this is a sign of the munafiqeen. This is the sign of the hypocrites. Where Allah says in the Quran, الناس, And when they stand in prayer, they stand lazily, and الناس, they're showing off to the people there is nothing in their heart. And that's not the case with most people, inshallah. So people do come to the masjid, people do good, in, ideally because it's a form of worship to Allah. But then let's say you're an imam, or you came to the masjid and you were praying by yourself, and all of a sudden someone walked up and he's now praying with you. And instead of reading Qul Allah like you always do, you start reading a longer surah. Or it's maghrib and you start beautifying your voice, standing up straight. There is a literal hadith of the Prophet ﷺ discussing this aspect. الَّذِي يُزَيُّنُ صَلَاتَهُ 
the one who beautifies his prayer because others are watching. Now, what is the recommendation when this happens to you? First, understand this is the shaitan trying to ruin your salah. Because the, do you remember when we said the effect and consequences of major shirk is that it destroys all of your good deeds? The effect of minor shirk, riya, showing off, is that it will destroy the good deed it is done in. It will will destroy the good deed. So if you were praying, and that prayer was, it had riya in it, that prayer's reward is gonna, is being destroyed. Right? Whereas if you fall into major shirk, everything you've done from that on is destroyed. But if you repent, it's reinstated. Allah is so merciful. So, um, and that's very important to understand. So the Prophet ﷺ talked about this. So there's three ways this can happen. Because there are also different types of minor shirk. It's not just riya. But let me explain riya first and then we move on to the other ones, inshallah. So you have uh, showing off. So let's assume one came into the masjid to pray and he was praying by himself. He was praying for Allah. Then something happened for him to add to his prayer, to beautify it, to stand up straight, to prolong it because of people watching. Now if this happens... First of all, it's immediately going to affect the reward that you get for that prayer and you need to fight it. You need to fight it and rectify your intention. And if you rectify your intention, Allah forgives you and there is nothing wrong. If you carry on doing that, it affects your prayer. Like the Prophet, Allah said in a hadith, uh, the Prophet said in a hadith that Allah said, so this is a hadith of Qudsi, that Allah said that I am independent and I am the least dependent and the least in need of those who associate partners with me in their worship. And if one does that, تَرَكْتُهُ وَشِرْكَهُ I will leave that person and his shirk. Meaning that when you associate other than... So what's happening now? Now your intention is shared with pleasing Allah and also beautifying it for the praise of others. And this is very dangerous. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned a hadith about um, an authentic hadith about the first people that are punished in the hereafter. May Allah protect us. And among them are those who committed acts of worship so that they can be praised. And that was the only uh, um, reason. And because they were praised, Allah will tell them, well, you prayed or you gave charity so that you can be praised. You were praised, so you have nothing left in akhirah to be given. You're not going to get rewarded for that because that was not your intention. Now, coming back to the individual that was praying, we mentioned that if that happens to you and you fight it and you rectify intention, alhamdulillah, that's fine. If you persist, then this affects your salah. Right? Now, now what happens if... So, we have three people. One, he starts his prayer so that he can be praised. That person's salah is invalid. And it is destroyed. Because he didn't even do it for Allah. Two, you were praying for Allah, but you beautified it because others are watching. This affects your salah, detracts the reward, and has the potential to completely destroy it as well. When that happens, you need to rectify attention. Third scenario, you prayed for the sake of Allah, nothing changed, but after you finish your prayer, people start praising you. Akhi, wallahi, mashallah, I'm so impressed, you always come to the masjid. Your salah was amazing, wallahi, the way you're committing sujood or reciting the Quran, people praise you after the fact. Now the companions ask the Prophet about it. They say, when people praise us after the fact, it, does that affect our, our worship? And the Prophet ﷺ said, no. It, does, it doesn't affect. This is the bushra. This is the, the glad tidings of the believer that, that Allah has given him early. So this is good. This is just good. When people praise you for good that you've done, if you've done them sincerely for Allah, it doesn't affect any of the worship. It's very important to remember all of that. Be worried. Be wary of showing off your good deeds because it has such a negative effect and it is a pathway to major shirk. Be very afraid. Ikhwanifillah. Is that the only minor shirk that exists? No. Sometimes even in our statements. Ikhwanifillah, look at the things that we are not allowed to say. Some of the companions, one of the companions came to the Prophet ﷺ and you know what he said to the Prophet? He said, you know how we say if Allah wills, inshallah, this companion said, uh, if Allah wills and you. MashaAllah wa shi'ta. That which Allah wills and you, O Messenger of Allah. So what did he say? That which Allah wills and you, O Messenger of Allah. So he put the Prophet in a similar position as Allah. And the Prophet said, Aja'altali lillahi niddan. Have you made me equal to Allah when you said, 
Allah, what Allah and the Messenger wills. And then he said, say what Allah and then the Messenger willed. So do not put me in the same position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was such an easy statement, right? Another one is because of you and Allah. Right? Because of you and Allah. Wallah, my brother, if it wasn't for you and Allah, then this and this would happen. We say it, some people say this all the time. If it wasn't for you and Allah. If you say this, then this is a form of minor shirk. It's known as shirk al-fad. Don't say this. Distinguish between Allah and the individual that is a creation. If it wasn't because of you, first, because of Allah, first and foremost, and then with your help that Allah has facilitated, whenever you say it, do not put the creation in the same as where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And this is what the Prophet ﷺ had taught the companions. Because even equating anyone with Allah, even if it's with your statements, this is shirk. It's minor shirk, but it's still shirk. So be wary of it, inshaAllah ta'ala. Khwanifillah. Another one is, of course, when we swear by other than Allah. This is such a problem within uh, the Muslim ummah, khwanifillah. And it's sad because... When you when you wanna when you wanna convince someone, like if I tell you uh, I'm going, uh, I found a free ticket uh, and a visa for Hajj, and you're like, no, that's impossible. And I say, no, I did. And I want to truly convince you. What would I say? I would swear, right? I would say, Wallahi, Wallahi, I got it. Now, why is it that when I swear, you believe me more? Because of the greatness of that which I'm swearing by. I swear by Allah. Such and such and such, right? So it adds weight to my statements because of the greatness of the one whom I'm swearing by. Which is why we only swear by Allah. Now when you swear by other than Allah, and ikhwani fillah, wallahi I have seen people that say, swear on your mom's life. As if his mom's life is of greater importance, more weightier than Allah Almighty. And this is why our messenger Muhammad Sallallahu one of the inhabitants of Medina from the Jews came to him and said, Oh Muhammad, you chastise us for committing shirk. Your people are committing shirk as well. And the Prophet Sallallahu asked him, how? And he said, when they swear, they swear by the Kaaba. They say, well Kaaba. And then the Prophet Sallallahu rectified this and said to his companions, from now on, don't say, by the Kaaba, say, wa rabbil Kaaba, by the Lord of the Kaaba. Because that which should be uh, gratified, that which should be venerated, that which we should swear by is only Allah. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, man kana halifan, falyahlif billahi aw liyasmud. Whoever is swearing, making an oath, let him swear by only Allah or let him be quiet. Another narration, the Prophet Sallallahu said, man halafa bighayrillahi faqad ashraka, whoever, swears by other than Allah has fallen into shirk. Now imagine your whole life you're swearing by other than Allah. Implying that those things you've been swearing by, whether it's your mom's life or your own life or this, that or the other, is more important or greater than Allah himself. That is the implication here. It is not a joke. So if you're listening to this and you have that habit, get rid of it. Lest you meet Allah tomorrow and you have shirk in your sahifa. You don't want that. Especially when we have the, talked about its severity. Now, khwani fillah, uh, these are some of the examples of shirk that we fall into that are considered minor shirk. Now, whether it's major shirk or minor shirk, it is among the most worst thing one can do. And we should all fear Allah. How can we avoid falling into shirk? How can we avoid this? The way we avoid it is by asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from it. By asking Allah to protect us from it. And also by studying what shirk is, what tawheed is. I cannot uh, um, emphasize this enough. We need to study tawheed and shirk the way we study Quran. The way we study Salah, we need even more so, even more so, so that we can protect ourselves and the generations to come and our children from taking these things lightly. 
The reason why our generations of Muslims swear by other than Allah is because they have not taught the severity of shirk and the applications it has. The reason we have generations of people back home in our countries everywhere that are wearing ta'weez, relying on it, thinking that that's protecting them. We have them venerating graves and, and we have them going to the Prophet ﷺ, making dua to him, not knowing that the Prophet has asked us to never do such a thing and only ask Allah. This all comes from a place of ignorance. We need to learn, we need to teach. We need more sessions discussing shirk and tawheed. And inshallah ta'ala, so ikhwanifillah, uh, the Prophet taught us a dua. And you should learn this dua. And you should learn its meaning. And you should ask Allah uh, to protect you. And the dua is Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an ushrika bika wa an a'lam wa astaghfiruka bima la a'lam. Lima la a'lam. Meaning, O oh Allah, O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you to fall into shirk while I am aware. And I seek forgiveness for that which I am unaware of. Inshallah ta'ala, by repeating this dua, this will ward off some of the sins we're falling into with regards to minor shirk, such as showing off, or the shirk al-fah, the things that we say, or the shirk al-ta'a with regards to religion, or any other shirk that, that we are falling into. Our afterlife depends on our tawheed, and it can collapse and be destroyed by this grave, grave sin and injustice. So inshallah ta'ala, I ask Allah to protect myself and all of you from falling into shirk. That sin that can lead to an eternity of hellfire, that can prohibit you from entering Jannah, that is the greatest injustice with regards to Allah. That sin that the Prophet has warned us about. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to establish tawheed firmly in our hearts. Firmly in our hearts to the point that we can worship Allah alone, that we direct our dua to Allah alone, that we trust Allah alone, that we know that the one can truly harm and benefit is Allah alone and that our hearts are connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through hope in His mercy, to love in Him, to fear of His anger and punishment and we are people that are of sincerity, that worship Allah and have ikhlas. I ask Allah to protect us and protect you. Jazakumullah khair. Uh, I strongly urge everyone to refer back for more reading to the book of Tawheed written by Mahan Anduluhab and its explanations to the four principles of shirk and any other uh, material inshallah ta'ala as well. Barakallahu feekum. Uh, I conclude here. Wa akhru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.